And welcome into episode 52 of We Went Blues, the podcast. Barrett Jackman is back. He's alongside of me. And our special guest this week, Christopher Robert Pronger. We're going to get into the news this past spring that Pronger's number 44 will be retired next year. And we may ask him about all the kids that were named Brendan when he got to town in the trade for Brendan Shanahan. We may ask him about Mike Keenan, but uh, I say may because when we bring Prongs in here in just a minute, Jax, we're going to ask him what's the one thing he's so tired of talking about over the years that he can just take it off the table today. Normally, reporters, we don't allow this, but we're going to give Prongs a chance to throw one thing off the table, and we can't talk about it. So, Jax, why don't you bring Prongs in? Well, we've got the uh, you know two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, world championship gold, world junior gold, Norris Trophy winner, Hart Trophy winner, Six foot six, two hundred twenty pounds. Uh, maybe playing weight, uh, size eight skate. Uh, but the uh, the big man, Chris Pronger. Welcome, buddy. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's a uh, it's a pleasure having you on. I know uh, you've been around hockey for uh, for quite a while. You're still working in it, and uh, just uh, uh, enjoying being at the rinks. And uh, so, but uh, now that uh, you got some time off, what uh, what have you been doing? And uh, you know, what did been keeping you uh, you busy at the house well uh just been uh you know kind of getting very in tune with the kids first and foremost uh thank god school is over uh or maybe maybe not depending upon how things open up here in uh in st louis but uh no it was uh the lockdown was interesting that's for sure and uh, a lot of quality time at home I think uh, both mom and dad and kids uh, are happy to be able to go their their own ways a little bit. But uh, now that things have uh, opened up a little bit, but uh, you know, just been uh, started a business with my wife about a year and a half ago. So we were working on that and uh, really uh, really working hard at uh, at that, you know. And then uh, obviously uh, my work with the Florida Panthers and. And, uh, you know, we were obviously doing stuff uh, as it relates to the draft and, and walking through different scenarios and and still walking through our team and, and going through all the different uh, uh, variables that, that may or may not have played out coming out of the lockdown and, and the season opening back up. And uh, now that we're slowly working our way back into players getting onto the ice and, and uh, training camps starting hopefully next month and uh, you know, we'll see hockey here soon enough, we hope. Prongs, uh, as you can guess, Jax and I do a lot of homework for this podcast. We've been prepping uh, for a few days ever since you uh, committed. Uh, so we have a long list of things to talk to you about. But like I said in the intro, we want to know uh, what's the one thing you're taking off the table here? Ooh. Uh, wow. <laughs> I usually don't take anything off the table. <laughs> if I don't want to answer it, I'll just tell you what I want to say. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds Prong's like never been 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 shy of saying uh, you know beat it, uh, especially to reporters. So oh, I've uh, heard it before. Let me tell there. you, Jax, <laughs> I've heard it before. <laughs> so so Prongs, you talk about the uh, the ever changing landscape of uh, the NHL, and you know how much has it uh, been driving uh, 
Yeah, organizations, uh, GMs, and all that uh, uh, crazy with, you know, kind of every day it's a little bit different uh, uh, scenario. Different states have different guidelines. and uh, But, you know, now you kind of get the, uh, you know, the, the two cities, hopefully they're named here pretty quick, and uh, guys coming back to training camp. What's the uh, – uh, what's it been like behind the scenes for, for you and uh, the organization, just, you know, meetings, Zoom meetings, and, and you know, just uh, the, the prep to, that goes into an ever-changing landscape? Yeah, it's uh, it can be taxing at times because it, it plays on your emotions where you think, oh, we might be able to, you know, we've been hearing for a month and a half that we've been, we're discussing coming back, and and now we're coming back but you're still two months away from games. <laughs> so it's, you know, a slow enduring process that, that can play on your emotions and, and uh, you know, we not knowing when the draft is going to be, when the lottery is going to be, who is going to be in the lottery, how the draft is going to work. What were the rules going to be? Um, you know, what, what was the playoffs going to be? Are they going to get any regular season games? And you start going through all these different scenarios and you start walking through, and then you're like, okay, well, we're not in the, we're not currently in a playoff position, but we're not in the lottery. We're not, you know, and you start going through all these different scenarios, and you're like, okay, you throw your hands up, and you're like, okay, just let us know when you're ready. <laughs> Let's not <laughs> either A, you reporters, JR, stop <laughs> guessing what they're going to do and, and playing with everybody, and actually let's wait until there is actually something concrete written in stone that this is what we're going to do moving forward. Um, you know, and I think now we have a little bit of that. And uh, I think that helps. Uh, I think it helps the players. I think it helps all the staffs really start to prepare from the coaching staff to the scouts, to the managers, uh, really start to prepare for the season, whether they're in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, prepare for the draft, all the different things. People can then start really honing in on their jobs and their tasks and, uh, certainly now that uh, there is a little bit of vision to where we're going and the field is kind of narrowing, I think, uh, I think everybody's a little bit happier. Yeah. I've been, uh, you know, been in the war room during, uh, during drafts and, uh, for months leading up to the draft, you kind of know where your position is. If you're, you know, maybe between 20 and 25, you kind of have your, you know, your 10, 15 guys that, uh, you could possibly take, but yeah, not knowing whether you're going to be in the top five or, you know, 15 through 20 or 20 to 30, there's a, there's a wide range and, and just a lot of information you got to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, gather and, and put forth, right? Well, absolutely. Especially when you don't know if you're going to be in the lottery, out of the lottery, but prior to the lottery is the window to be able to talk to the players and interview the players. So you're, you're, you're interviewing kids that normally you'd be like, we have no chance of getting this kid. But on the other hand, you're interviewing thinking, well, what are the rules? We, this may go to uh, 04 coming out of the lockout when Sidney Crosby was being drafted. You know, it was all thrown up in the air and it was done by a lottery system and, there was no it was somewhat random uh, how teams were able to win uh, so there was you know a lot of speculation a lot of a lot of noise that really you got to drown out and just do your job and and just you know interview the kids ask the questions discuss what what you want them to what you want to hear from the kids uh, you know kind of probe into their games and and their character and and their mindset to, into how they play the game and then you know from there you start adjusting your lists and, and to, to a certain degree as to 
whether you, you like what you heard, whether you didn't like what you heard, whether you thought that was exactly what you see on the ice and, and things of that nature. So, you know, I think a lot of that's now been, been put to the wayside. So we'll, uh, we'll see moving forward what, uh, what happens with the lottery here coming up next week. And, and then for the draft anyways, and then hopefully camps do open up on time mid, uh, mid July and we can start. Re- I don't know how you guys are going to do it, JR, if you're going to do a zoom, uh, a zoom call for questions and answers, but uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've already uh, checked into it and uh, we actually have a, a vacation plan in Florida uh, the week that training camp starts, but it doesn't seem like it's going to matter if you're in St. Louis or not, because it'll be uh, mostly Zoom. You know, I'm sure that's how you guys handle it too. Perfect. <laughs> you can you do go. it right on the beach; you'll be all set. <laughs> yep. You can make it just like keep... your Zoom background, except it's not. It's not. <laughs> just, keep, just keep your sh- keep the shirt on when you're on the all beach. Right, or, all right. Yeah. During these uh, Zoom meetings, John Candy on the yeah. beach. All right, there's the first fat joke. It only took us seven minutes there. Uh, eight prongs. We're going to circle yeah, back happens. with you uh, in just a little bit uh, more on your job with the Florida Panthers, but we wanted to get into your career a little bit here. Uh, things are a little bit different. You know, you talk about lottery picks. Things are a little bit different than 1993 when you went second overall just what do you remember from that time the excitement going number two and uh, playing in Hartford off the hop yeah it was uh you know it was an exciting time for me um you know there was a there was a lot of um intrigue going into into my draft year with with Dag and and knowing Ottawa was going to take him and then you know there was myself Chris Gratton Rob Niedermeyer Paul Correa Victor Kozlov, there was there was a number of us kind of jockeying in that two to six range. And, uh, you know, I think as it played out with San Jose having the second pick and wanting Victor Kozlov, who had kind of slipped in everyone's rankings, but they had kind of honed in on him. And that was their, their guy. And I think a lot of us in the draft knew that that was the guy that they wanted. And they more or less told me that when they talked to me. <laughs> so I knew that I knew I wasn't going to to them, but uh, I knew there was also a bunch of teams that liked me and were trying to trade up into the two hole to get me. And, you know, from the Red Wings at the time to the Rangers, uh, who were coached by Mike Keenan at the time. And so there was a lot of speculation as to what was going to happen at the draft. And then ultimately, uh, right before the draft started, I get my agent gives me a little. He's he's down uh, down on the draft floor talking to uh, Brian Burke, who was the GM of the Hartford Whalers at the time, who in, coincidentally had the sixth pick. And uh, you know, he kind of gives me the finger, come down and talk to Brian, get out of my seat. I get down on the draft floor and I'm talking to him. He's like, Chris, uh, you know, we're uh, we're trading up to the the second spot, and uh, we want to take you. Will, will you come? And I'm like, what? <laughs> now you got to remember, this is right after Eric Lindros, Sean yeah. Hartford, or uh, Sean Quebec Nordiques, and you know all that stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I want to play in the NHL. I don't care. Yeah, I'll play wherever. I'm just happy to be in the league and and uh, you know be a be a be an NHL player and and fulfill my dream of playing in the NHL. And um, you know that was it was pretty fun to be able to go back to my seat. And kind of sit there knowing, okay, he's making this trade. He walks over to San Jose's table, makes the trade. And then, you know, obviously Dag goes first. And then I'm sitting there just kind of waiting for them to <laughs> announce the trade and then uh, and then make the selection and, 
and pick be second. So it was, that was interesting. And then obviously all of the uh, brouhaha that ensued from Dag going in underneath and, and doing his media scrum and, and announcing to everybody that nobody remembers number two was, was just a little <laughs> icing on the cake for me to, Ouch. <laughs> every, every time we got to play uh, Ottawa when I was in Hartford, a couple extra wax to the back of his knees for good, good, good old time sake. <laughs> not you, not you. The, the old Dago Bear. The Dago yeah. Bear, huh? Yeah, it's uh, it's come a long ways. Uh, the the n- number two overall pick, I think everybody knows your name. And uh, Alexander Dag, uh, he might be more known as a soap uh, soap opera star than uh, uh, than a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, you know he he played a long time. Uh, believe it or not, there's probably a lot of uh, people that don't realize that, but he actually played. You know, he had a a somewhat long career, but uh, obviously bounced around a lot and, and never really lived up to the hype. But uh, uh, I, I've run into him a few times over the years, and uh, I <laughs> I always laugh about it with him. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he might be one of the you know uh, one of the bigger busts uh, first overall pick. But uh, my year, Patrick Steffen was uh, was number one pick in in that draft, and he didn't. Uh, I think he's more known for missing the empty net and uh, and losing the game yeah. for uh, for Dallas. But uh, <laughs> so you know the the first overall pick isn't uh, isn't always a lock uh, uh, in the NHL. Yeah, no, it's you know what it's it, it's interesting. I mean, everybody thinks oh first overall or you want know, a top three pick or or what have you, and uh, it, it just depends on on the draft year, the the crop, um, you know think about we played with a guy who went i think he was eighth overall jeff harima i mean you just never know from year to year player to player you know which is why the draft and 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 the the combine and and interviews and all that are so important nowadays because of the salary cap and because of how teams are positioned the draft is a way to control your salary cap and to control uh, your roster and you need the draft to fill in certain holes in your roster to, to really be successful. And so, uh, missing out, you know, I've always heard the term, your number, your first round pick has to play. I mean, that's, that's a given, which is why when you look around the league and you see how rosters are built, half of the league is first round picks, you know, obviously because they are talented, but secondly, you're picking players that are the best available because, you know, you might have seven centers on your team. You're still picking the best available. And if it's a center, you're picking him because he's going to play in the NHL at some point. He may not be with you, but he's going to play with somebody. Thus, you're able to make a trade and, and get another player or a prospect. So it's, uh, you know, the draft is has become so integral uh, in the NHL. And, you know, you see the teams that always make a run for trading first round picks and you know, because it's such a commodity, but you also have a, a much smaller window in a salary cap era to uh, to win and, and be successful at that high level. And Prongs, you uh, played, of course, but it wasn't in uh, Hartford for long. July 27th, 1995, traded to St. Louis for Brendan Shanahan. And I don't think I, I've told you this story before, but the post-dispatch calls, I'm probably, what am I, 20 years old, and they said, hey, you need to go out and get fan reaction to this trade. Like, just go somewhere 
And, of course, I picked Ted Drew's. <laughs> so I go <laughs> stand outside uh, Ted Drew's, and I got my notepad and pen, and I'm asking uh, a guy, what do you think about this trade? And his wife, who was getting the ice cream, she comes over, and she says, she sees that I'm a reporter, and she goes, what is it, the death penalty question? And her husband looks at her and goes, it's worse. The Blues traded Shanahan. And uh, they went nuts. <laughs> you told me a couple of weeks ago uh, we, we did an interview, and you said that when you got here, a lot of kids named Brendan. That made it a little uh, intimidating. Uh, yeah, there was uh, there was there was a lot of outcry over the trade, and uh, you know, obviously uh, Mike Keenan stuck his neck out uh, in making that trade, and um, I, I was not welcome to St. Louis with open arms. <laughs> With Shani being a fan favorite here, but uh, you know, once I got through the Boo Birds and and the Mike Keenan abuse, I uh, um, you know I was able to turn the corner that, that that first year, the latter part of the season. Once we got Gretzky, which took a lot of heat off of me, because a lot of the focal point uh, turned to him and focus turned to him. So that that trade was actually a blessing in disguise, and I was able to really kind of start coming into my own and and playing, getting back to playing the game the way that I knew how and not really worrying about being called into the coach's locker room all the time and getting yelled at or, you know, all the different head games that Mike used to play to try to get you going. And uh, it really just focused on playing the game and, and, and reading and reacting instead of thinking on the ice. And uh, once I did that, my play started to uh, to rise and, and uh, had a really good playoff. And that kind of really spurned uh you know my next season when uh had a good summer of training and, and came into camp in much better shape and uh you know really kind of my game really kind of took hold and 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 started to become the player that uh, that i knew i could be did you ever think that uh you know having the greatest player uh in the world on your team uh, was going to take the whipping boy away from you and uh, and, and put it on uh, on him yeah no i you know it uh you know, I think I think having Gretz there really, I think, took a little bit of the edge off of Mike, where we we made a number of trades at the deadline to get a lot of ex-Rangers, ex-Oilers. Um, you know, Mike was kind of putting the band back together and, and trying to make a run at the cup. And, um, you know, I think he kind of let the room, after we got all those guys, he kind of let them control the room and let them, uh, you know, kind of, peer policing and and really uh he kind of started to step back a little bit and just uh oversee if you will and and kind of manage that way and and uh you know i i think that really helped as well he had he had been obviously very hard on me the first five months and 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 probably rightfully so with uh how i came into camp and everything but uh you know as as i started to turn the corner and as we you know, he released the pressure off of my neck and I could breathe again. Uh, and I think the, the boo birds started to kind of, uh, you know, calm a little bit and, and really uh, and really see the way that I could play the game when I was a little bit more relaxed and not worried about the trade, not worried about getting yelled at, not worried about, you know, all the different things that were going on, uh, not only in my head, but, you know, on the ice and, and different things like that. So it was... Uh, uh, a difficult rookie season, but uh, you know it's funny when you you have the opportunity to play with uh, arguably the best player to ever play the game, and uh, and you see 
how they prepare, how they manage the media and handle the fame and, and pressures of, of being that elite player and that best player in the game stature. It's, uh, you know, you can learn an awful lot from that. And I certainly did. Prongs, we were going to have you on uh, the podcast earlier this season, but it was the same week in which uh, Jay Bowmeister went down. Of course, the the 1998 playoffs, everybody remembers your heart stopped uh, from the shot to the chest. You know, different circumstances, uh, but the same scare inside the rink. Uh, just what do you recall? I don't know if you're watching the game the night that uh, Jay went down, but hearing the news and and uh, and just seeing what he was going through, uh, what was going through your mind? Yeah, that was pretty scary. I, I was not watching the game, but uh, I got wind of it pretty quickly and, and found the clip of, of when he went down. And, you know, it wasn't quite the same, but, uh, you know, certainly when, when you see a player kind of go down like that and then you see the looks on the players' faces and 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 the how scared they looked and, and shocked and surprised, you, you really – get a sense for the magnitude of the moment and kind of what's transpiring. And, uh, you know, obviously Ray was there when, when I went down and, um, you know, I think as that incident happened and then Yuri Fisher incident happened when he had his heart attack and you look at all the, you know, uh, medical measures that were put into place, uh, emergency, uh, the EMT things and, and all that stuff. I mean, there's, uh, to have those as, as handy as they were and in placement so that the trainers and the doctors and, and where they sit and how quickly they can then get to the benches and, and things like that or onto the ice uh, are, are little things that you hope you don't have to use. But when they're, th- when they're put into place, like the, the way that they were, you know, they're able to save lives like they did with Jay. I mean, had, had he been out another minute or two, who, who knows? what would have happened and, and uh, you know, thankfully we don't have to, uh, to see anything like that uh, happen to Jay. But when I went down, I, I honestly, you're not really even, I got hit in the heart with the puck, you know, in the chest and it hurt, it stung. And I was like, all right, just cover the puck up, get a whistle. And while I'm on the ice, I'm like, okay, I hear the whistle. I'm like, okay, now get up, get to the bench. Cause do not let these people in Detroit see you on the ice. So I, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, get to the bench, but I'm already blacked out when I'm on the ice and I get up and I take like one and a half strides and then crumple. And, uh, it, uh, it was, uh, um, it was pretty interesting, uh, to wake up or scary to wake up, however you want to look at it to wake up. And I remember being in the corner, the left corner. And I wake up and I'm at center ice in the middle of the ice, looking up at Gordy Howe's number nine. And I'm looking at all these banners going, how did I get here? And then I hmm. look over and my jersey's cut up the middle and my chest is open. And then I look over and I got, I'm looking over, Holly's crying and a bunch of players are crying on the bench. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the injuries are, are part of the game, but, uh, you know, your, your heart stopping is, isn't one of those things that you, uh, you kind of think about. It's, uh, you know, more your, your knees, yeah, your wrists and all that. But, uh, you know, I know, uh, you know, you kind of celebrate uh, a lot of your injuries and, uh, you know, every time you have a surgery, I, I think, uh, you know, your family puts a, <laughs> puts a plaque on the wall, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got, I've got a plaque in my basement that we, uh, my wife made up with uh, all my injuries 
that were documented. I mean, there's obviously a lot that weren't, but all the injuries that were documented uh, in my uh, NHL file. And uh, I've got a nice long plaque, a list of surgeries and broken bones and things that, uh, that I uh, incurred over the course of my career. And at that time it was 13 surgeries and now I'm up to 15. So hopefully lucky number 15 is the last one. Yeah, so you just had the uh, you had the knee surgery a couple of weeks yeah. ago to to clean I just out. Just had a uh, knee a knee scope last Wednesday just to clean up some uh, loose fragments, and uh, I had a little kneecap issue, and they cleaned up some cartilage and and whatnot. So, just uh, as I like to say, it's my uh, every instead of it every hundred thousand miles like some cars. It, I'm up to like every ten thousand miles, I get a lube oil filter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put my name next to the uh, to the one uh, I think it was your ACL MCL uh, back in 2002 uh, uh, when you got hit by by Stevie Y. Um, but the, that was kind of uh, my coming out party, and that uh, you know my rookie season was was probably because uh, you know you weren't uh, weren't in the lineup. So I uh, gotta thank you for uh, and thank your 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 knee for. Uh, <laughs> for me kind of getting the uh the, the start in the uh in the nhl you're welcome Jax. uh it's uh certainly my pleasure to help you get your career started <laughs> i don't know if uh i don't know if that's the reason why you made the team but you had a great camp and, and certainly deserved to be there so uh perhaps someone else might have been getting shuttled to the minors uh, had i been playing but uh uh you know and, and that's the great thing about our game and 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 how players careers get started and and the opportunities that they take advantage of that you know if we want to look at it as as an as an open spot for a young player to come up and and earn a job then then you were able to do that and and obviously uh uh played great that year and won the rookie of the year and um you know i think we all have to take advantage of the opportunities that are placed in front of us and, and certainly you did uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, uh, pat myself on the back for giving you that chance. I think you earned it, and you know I think that's what's great about our game. You've got to go out and earn, uh, earn your stripes and earn your, uh, earn your ice time and your opportunities through your play and through your uh, character. Well, if if uh, you and Al were in the lineup, that would take up uh, you know about forty five <laughs> minutes of ice time. So, uh, you know, I would have been playing five minutes instead of uh, twenty, and uh, definitely not have won the uh, the rookie of the year that year. Yeah, who did you beat, by the way? I don't know if people know. Um, uh, <laughs> we got to hear this Hen again. Henrique, Are you kidding me? Henry Zederberg and Ricky Nash or Nash or something like that. Nash, Nash, Nash. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they had long careers or not. You kind of forget about those two. He's Chris Pronger. He gave Barrett Jackman his start in the NHL. I'm Jeremy Rutherford. I gave Barrett Jackman his start in media. When we come back, we're going to talk to Chris Pronger about his trade from St. Louis to Edmonton, but first we have this message from Hawthorne. Well, everybody knows that this Sunday is Father's Day. What are you going to get your dad for the holiday? Let me give you an idea. How about Hawthorne cologne? Smelling good is important, and Hawthorne smells really good. And it's a simple process. You can take just a two-minute quiz, and they'll actually tell you what scents would make good sense 
for your gift for your father this weekend uh, when you buy him some Hawthorne cologne. Uh, I'm sure he's going to get plenty of good compliments when he's out in public wearing his Hawthorne cologne. And Hawthorne makes other personalized products, deodorant, shampoo, body wash. I know that when I pick a brand, uh, I like to make sure that I get all the products that they have so you can smell similar. You don't want to smell like three different companies. Uh, But uh, when you find the right scent and you find these products, it all comes together for one good smell. That's Hawthorne cologne. Find it and pick it out for your Father's Day present. Check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. And welcome back to episode 52 of We Want Blues. Our special guest is number 44, Chris Pronger, alongside uh, Barrett Jackman. We want to get into Chris Pronger's trade from St. Louis uh, to Edmonton. I'll never forget it. You know, the call came in late at night and uh, had about 14 minutes to write the story on deadline. Prongs, what do you remember about that night? Well, I was at uh, a friend of mine's 30th birthday party and... (laughs) Uh, you know, there was obviously a lot of speculation. I was on the phone a lot with my agent over the last couple weeks with the teams that were trying to trade for me and and uh, coming out of the lockout the way we were. Apparently, there was a lot of uh, hurt feelings and and uh, from ownership and, and management. I know I had uh, a few conversations with, uh, with management regarding uh, promises that were made. And, uh, I, you know, I guess they were broken and I, uh, was not too happy and I'd finally had enough and, and was not happy with the way I was being treated. Um, I'm certainly not going to go into it because it will not make anyone look very well, but, uh, or very good, but, uh, uh, needless to say it was, uh, they had been shopping me for a while and I knew it. This is a small league, and there's everybody's got friends around the league, so you, you hear things and, and learn about things. And uh, certainly, it uh, you know once you start hearing that stuff and 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 hearing the the teams that are interested, you start obviously looking at those teams and trying to steer uh, steer to the right team, you know, uh, because you want to win, and you you know you want to go to the best possible team you can if you are going to be traded. So. Um, you know, I had heard LA, I'd heard Boston, I'd heard, you know, a number of teams, uh, I'd heard Florida, uh, and at the time Mike Keenan was down there. Um, so there was a number of teams that, that were interested that had made offers apparently. And, and then uh, out of the blue, at no point as I'm talking with my agent was Edmonton ever mentioned. And I'm sitting at home or pardon me, I'm sitting at this birthday party and I get a phone call. And it's my agent. He's like, hey, listen, uh, you've just been traded to Edmonton. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I get up. I get up, I go to back into a room and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you just, you've just been traded to Edmonton. I said, uh, oh, okay. And now you got to remember at the time, I didn't have a contract. I had a qualifying offer that I could accept uh, minus the 24% rollback or I, you know, they, they wanted to sign me to a, an extension. Uh, and, you know, in hindsight, you know, should I have signed the extension? No, but promises were made. You know, there was, 
a lot of things going on. You know, I'm I'm at a birthday party, so I'm half cut. <laughs> and, half cut or full and, cut? Uh, no, I was half cut probably because it was only nine o'clock. Oh, and okay. I we immediately I'm like I, I gotta go. <laughs> I grab my wife. We uh, we head to uh, uh, the bookstore because she knows nothing about Edmonton and 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 really, I didn't grow up in Western Canada. I, I'd been to Edmonton a couple times and obviously played there, but I didn't know much about Edmonton either, really. So. We we go to the bookstore and get a couple books on you know Alberta. There's no books on Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no travel and leisure and, about and my, uh, Edmonton. No, no. And my wife has no idea about Edmonton. She doesn't know anything about Canada really, other than where I'm from. And we go into the bookstore and she goes, "Oh, do you have any books on Edmonton?" And the first thing the person says at Barnes and Noble is. Why would you want a book on Edmonton? Oh my goodness! Oh my so, goodness! Uh, right you might want to check in the yeah, check in the oil and gas yeah, section. Right away, I'm like, lady, you're not helping me. This is not helping. <laughs> so then, you know, she goes to bed. I'm sitting in my office. My agent calls me back and says, "Okay, well, uh, here's the deal. They don't want you to sign your qualifying offer. It's going to be too much money for what they want to pay." Uh, they want to sign you to an extension. And, you know, we're coming out of this lockout with this rollback. We don't know where the salary cap is. We don't know what, you know, you don't really know what's what. And they go, well, we're going to give you, they want to give you a five-year deal. And here's how much. And da, 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 da. And now my wife's sleeping in the other room and my agent's talking me through. He's like, all right, well, they need to know in 10 minutes. And I'm like, what? Oh my! Are you kidding me? And And I'm like, 10 minutes, really? You're going to throw this on me? First off, I didn't even know I was going there. And he's like, he got 10 minutes. And, and obviously, uh, um, you know, he, he regrets it too because to make a decision like that of that magnitude coming out of a lockout of a year and a half and then to have, you know, 10 minutes to make up your mind if you want to sign an extension or not, you know, I'm looking at $7 million or $32 million. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what's – you know, I went with the 32. I wish I would have, A, consulted with my wife, and then B, uh, told my agent to pound sand and say, no, I'm not making a decision right now. But, you know, being uh, late at night and, you know, being told I needed to make a decision, I, I did, and, you know, and just went with, the, you know, the, the bigger the bigger number thinking, well, I mean, at least it's security. And I'd already had a a torn ACL. I'd already had a, you know, a, a bad wrist that cost me a year and a half. So I was like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> who knows if I'm going to come back from a year and a half layoff as good as I was. Uh, so anyways, it was uh, an interesting uh, next few days. And then uh, obviously go up to Edmonton and uh, you know, we, I liked our team. I thought we had a good team. A lot of people, didn't, but I, I did. We made a number of moves, getting Michael Pekka, getting Jarl Spachek uh, early into the season, and then ultimately getting Dwayne Rolison uh, at the deadline to solidify our goaltending. Uh, you know, I, I liked our team, but um, we had a great group of guys, a great, uh, uh, you know, we had great coaching staff that I, that I really got along with and, and played with a number of them and against. So, uh, including Kevin Lower, the GM, and the head coach Craig McTavish here in St. Louis, and Charlie Huddy was my partner here in St. Louis uh, towards the end there when Mike put the band back together. So 
had had a really good relationship with a lot of people there. But uh, you know, as as we know how things turned out, it it uh, wasn't to be, and 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 wasn't a great fit uh, for me and my family. And and you know, in the end, I I thank them for uh, for all that they did for me, and and you know, asked to be traded. So, um, you know, you, you go from Edmonton down to, uh, to Anaheim, uh, you think, uh, was Lauren already down there and, and picked out a place before you even accepted <laughs> the trade or, uh, was that, uh, you know, I'm sure she was pretty happy about, uh, Edmonton to, to Anaheim. Um, she was excited, uh, obviously <laughs> going from Edmonton to California. And again, my brother had played in Anaheim, uh, early in his career and, and loved it. They were there. They were actually living there, had moved back uh, there when he retired. And, um, you know, obviously knew a number of guys that, that had played there and, and loved it there. Um, what's not to like 70 and sunny every day. The first year I was in Anaheim, the year we won the cup, 70 and sunny every single day, except a half a day it drizzled. Wow. <laughs> 364 and a half days of sun my first year there. Not bad. Yeah, flip flops and shorts are a pretty good way to uh, cruise to the uh, uh, to the rink yeah. every day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Prongs, we're due for uh, another break in here just in one second, but uh, I remember the Blues uh, showed some interest under John Davidson to get you back. Uh, like you said, hockey's a small world. What do you know about the Blues trying to get you back, and how close was it? I know nothing about wow. the Blues trying to get me back. Um, I I'd never heard that. Um, I, he may have inquired what it was going to cost <laughs> to get me back. And, you know, I think at the time, if it's when he was here, they were rebuilding and he certainly wasn't going to give up two first round picks at that time. So I think, uh, he probably inquired what it was going to cost and, and it was, uh, probably, immediately kiboshed yeah too much no i had written a sentence or two about uh, the blues yeah. being interested in, and jd i think called or texted and said you're right on big boy <laughs> so uh, <laughs> tried to bring you back but hey so uh, even though you didn't come back to st louis uh you're here in st louis uh live here and uh, that number 44 is going to be retired and i was so excited when i heard the news and we want to talk to you uh, more about that and your role with that florida panthers management group when we come back but first this message from roman if you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that we can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com forward slash blues for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash blues for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And Chris Pronger is our guest on episode 52 of We Want Blues. Barrett Jackman is here. And uh, Prongs, this happened right before the pause, right before things kind of got shut down. We had a press conference at Enterprise Center. 
uh, about you and your number 44 being uh, sent to the rafters next season. The Blues have announced that. And a really cool story about how you were told. Al McInnes, uh, your longtime teammate, uh, broke the news to you. Tell us the story. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was interesting. I've, I've, I've done a few things down uh, down at the Enterprise Center for the Blues and, and the NHL and um, certainly uh, – have, uh, you know, when you get asked to do certain things that, you know, it's a way to help continue to grow the game of hockey and, and, and grow hockey in St. Louis and minor hockey, et cetera. So uh, I've always been, been willing to, to go down and do things. And, uh, and Mike had asked me to come down to do an event for them with their Hall of Fame season ticket holders. So he asked me and Al, uh, at the time, unbeknownst to me, knowing he was talking to my wife and, and uh, said, yeah, can, can you come down and, and do this season ticket holder thing for us? You know, a lot of them were there when, when you played and they got questions and they want to talk to you. And Al, I said, yeah, sure, I'm going to be – I was actually scheduled, believe it or not, I was actually scheduled to come down to the game and, and scout the game anyway. So I was like, yeah, I'm actually coming down anyway. Sure, that works. And then all of a sudden my wife's like, well, why don't we make this a family deal? We haven't been to a game. So everybody gets all dressed up. She's like, hey, you got to wear a suit. I'm like, I, I normally wear a suit, yeah, but – do I have to wear a tie? She's like, I think you should wear a tie. I'm like, okay, I'll wear a tie. <laughs> <laughs> so we get down there and uh, uh, we get set up with uh, with Al and I, and then uh, about two thirds of the way through the uh, the uh, question and answer with uh, with all the season ticket holders, Al uh, begins talking and kind of talking and asking me a couple questions, and he's kind of looking at me funny. So I'm thinking he wants me to keep talking. So I just keep talking and rambling on about whatever he asked me. And finally he's starting to get a little uncomfortable. And I'm like, I pause and I kind of look at him I'm like, yeah. And then he started going into the spiel. Well, the real reason we brought you down here is that uh, Tom Stillman and the St. Louis blues organization want to retire your number next year. And then I was like, Oh, now. And then I figured out <laughs> why my kids and my wife were around the corner uh, staring in, watching the Q and A session. So it was, uh, it was pretty neat to have everybody there to see that. And, and, uh, obviously two of my three kids were born here in St. Louis when I played here. So, uh, pretty special moment and, uh, excited about, uh, whenever that may be, uh, who knows what the schedule's going to look like <laughs> come 2021, <laughs> but, uh, it'll be uh, an exciting day nonetheless. Yeah, it might be a little bit weird if there's nobody in the stands to uh, to watch <laughs> your number be uh, raised to the rafters. <laughs> yeah, it'll uh, yeah, it'll be uh, cool. Yeah, and I'll I'll ask the uh, the Blues management to to throw it over by the uh, press box for you too, so you can uh, you know sit in your uh, your seat that you're always in scouting the games and and have that 44 right in front of you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was doing an interview and I looked up. And, uh, you know, you're looking at the numbers in sequential order and you go, oh, let's see. You've got Al, Barkley, uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bernie, and then you've got Chris. So it's, <laughs> it goes ABC. So Brett, Bobby, Bernie. And you look at you look at it, you go, OK, well, the next one to be retired is going to have to be. A D. Who's ever got a, a first name that starts with a D <laughs> is going up there next. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, think, well, that one, who is it? Yeah. David Backus. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or you could go the other way and you could say, maybe it's Alex Petrangelo. There you go. Mm, the there, you go. there you go. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, this is a big honor to be talking to two guys uh, whose numbers are in the rafters uh, soon after yours is, Chris, uh, and one because of what he actually did on the ice. <laughs> the other guy, <laughs> Barrett. Yeah, who is that? <laughs> Barrett's yeah, thinking five, uh, it, yeah, Bobby. It's, it's Bobby's number. It's not mine. Yeah. Well, Chris, I uh, want to wrap up here with you in just a couple minutes, but uh, you know, I think everybody knew a long time ago during your career that, that you were going to be in management at some point. Mark Sauer used to tell me all the time that he could never win an argument with you, and <laughs> you knew he the former Blues president. Uh, just how are you enjoying yourself? I know you said it's pretty crazy time. Uh, right now, but uh, this has to be right up your alley. What you're doing with the Panthers? Yeah, you know it's uh, it's nice uh, in the in the role that I'm in. I get to touch a lot of facets uh, on the business side and and obviously on the hockey side and, and get uh, a really good understanding of um, you know contract negotiations, scouting, uh, player development. Uh, all the different facets on the hockey side. And, and then obviously on the business side, talking about budgets and, and different numbers and things like that. Um, you know, and then obviously taking my time at the NHL when I worked in player safety and being able to go to the board of governors meetings and the managers meetings and, and kind of listen to, you know, the business side of the NHL and, and really where the sausage is made um, you really get a, a good understanding of, of how uh, the business side interacts with the hockey side and, and the entertainment side. So, um, you know, the, the last six or seven years that I've been, uh, you know, kind of in the background, in, in whether it be in an NHL front office or the NHL office, has, uh, has been a great learning experience for me. JR likes your analogy of the, uh, the, the sausage there, but... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, you know you, you're time. talking about all these yeah you're talking about all these different facets of the game and uh, and every role that you've actually uh, you know touched on and it sounds like you might be the uh, the commissioner of the league here uh, before too long. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> that might be a, a little bit above my uh, my bailiwick, but uh, you know I think you know I, I you know I leave options open. I mean I'm not against doing anything i mean that would certainly intrigue me but again i think i think you have to you know work your way up through uh the process and and have a a, a good understanding of of what current roles are and, and what job descriptions are so that you can uh you know stay in your lane i think uh, some of the best organizations in our league everybody stays in their lane they know their job they know their role and they do their job to the best of their abilities and they don't try to do someone else's job and they don't try to do, you know, they don't nitpick over here or over there. They do their job and they come together as a, as a unit to cohesively figure out strategy, drafting, scouting, you know, all the different uh, facets that uh, happen in an NHL front office. And, um, you know, certainly uh, I've been able to learn a lot about that over the last number of years. And, you know, we'll see if I get to use it elsewhere or, uh, or in a different role, but uh, you know we'll see how uh, 
how the future plays out. Well, Prong's definitely, uh, you know, you, you've uh, taught a lot of people, uh, including myself over the years, uh, uh, about the game, about the passion you have for the game. And uh, I definitely look forward to seeing you, uh, you know, continuing that and in a, uh, uh, you know, more prominent role, whether it's uh, with the NHL, with, uh, with another team. But I uh, really appreciate you taking the time today and, and, and talking to us and, uh, I uh, hope you all the best uh, to you and your family and, uh, you know, stay healthy and uh, uh, enjoy uh, enjoy that family and, and look forward to seeing, uh, you know, the Panthers and the Blues uh, back in action here pretty quick. Absolutely. Yeah. Healthy. We'll, we'll see about that. I'm uh, I think I'm going to have to rejigger my workouts uh, again to, to make sure that uh, the body holds up while I'm doing stuff. But uh, appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully see hockey back soon and uh, everybody will be able to get their fix on TV instead of in person. And Prongs, I appreciate it too. I was looking for a story today and now I have it. Chris Pronger intrigued by a commissioner job. That's the headline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. And you know what? I'm sure you'll sensationalize it perfectly. <laughs> you know it. You know it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Prongs. You bet. Thanks for having me. And that was Chris Pronger, number 44. Got to chat with him about uh, a number of things. And, Jax, you know what? In hindsight, I probably should have guessed that uh, Prongs wouldn't take anything off the table. <laughs> you know, Prongs always has the uh, – his opinion is always out there. So uh, he never holds anything back. He's a very honest uh, honest person, uh, whether it's uh, good, bad, or ugly. And uh, I've always appreciated that from him. He's uh, – Always told you uh, how it is, and uh, it is never uh, never kept any secrets. Yeah, so he could be uh, president, he could be uh, GM. He, you know, he touched on, you know, commissioner would be something that maybe would interest him. Uh, but gosh, from a selfish standpoint, how good would he be on TV in a media role? <laughs> He'd be great. I, you know, he he loves uh, he, he loves the media. He loves doing stuff like that. But I I think he's more of uh, uh, you know hands uh, uh, you know on everything where you know he can shape and mold and and you know be part of the construction crew. And uh, I I really think that he's he is going to be uh, you know head of the league or uh, you know head of a, a franchise here uh, you know very soon. Tell your friends about episode number 52 of We Went Blues with Chris Pronger. Also this week at The Athletic, Mike Doc Emmerich is Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside's guest on the two-man advantage at The Athletic. Also Chris Snow, the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames, spends the full 60 with Craig Custance this week also at The Athletic. Check out our comments section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. Also, don't forget to rate and subscribe. We Went Blues on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com, forward slash we went blues you'll get 40 percent off your subscription so for barrett jackman jack's happy father's day this weekend thanks buddy you uh, you as well uh, enjoy your weekend uh, with the family and uh, we'll uh, catch up next week appreciate it we'll talk to you next week thank you for listening and remember to read the athletic st louis at theathletic.com and subscribe to the podcast talk to you next week